0: The Duly Noted Podcast is brought to you by Zaxby's, the home of handmade to order chicken, salads, and more than a dozen mild to wild sauces. Stop by your neighborhood Zaxby's today. And by Vistar Credit Union, with locations across Gator Country, visit VistarCU.org and ABC Fine Wine and Spirits. Always be celebrating. <laughs> This is duly noted everything florida gators with your host Pat Dooley. duly okay welcome to the uh, latest duly noted podcast first one of the year huh how about that 2020 a great year for optometrists i guess right we have 2020 vision um hope you miss me uh we were down i i will say we had an excellent time at the orange bowl uh to be honest with you Peach Bowl was a little bit better but it was certainly a fine uh, game to be at and and a fine week. It was amazing. They bring all the players and coaches to you so uh, i got to give Larry Wall and the people down at the Orange Bowl a real shout out. They did a great job. Um, and they're they'll have the championship game next year, and they will be an unbelievable hotel for that. They're going to be at the hotel. The media will be uh, that the NBA players stay at. It's got a full linked basketball court, and a bowling alley, and everything. So we're one year early. Uh, our hotel was okay. It was pretty pretty average, to be honest with you. And I know you really care about all that. You wanted me to talk about the game, and I look. This may go. This may be a long podcast because I got a lot to talk about because of all the things that have happened. Um, basketball football life uh, all the stuff that's that's gone on so i may even go longer than normal peter burns will be joining us a little bit later and we'll talk to him about of course peter from the sec network about how the sec has done in bowl games um and also the interview with cash daniel which if you didn't hear about it uh we'll get to into that with him it's 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 kind of fascinating. In fact, my daughter showed me. She goes, "Dad," and she's you know you know what it is when you're when your kid is you're in another room and they're saying, "Dad, come here, Dad, come here," and you're like, "I'm doing something." Dad, come here, okay? I go, "What? What?" And she shows me this Cash Daniel interview, and I went, "Holy crap! I can't believe that." So she she was right. I should have rushed out there to hear. It because it was pretty interesting. We'll get into that later. Let's talk about Florida, Virginia in the Orange Bowl. I will say this. That stadium's awesome. And I've never said that about a stadium in Miami in my life. Now, I've never been to the new Marlins Park, um, but I've been to, obviously, the old Orange Bowl. I had been to Pro Player. I had been to Joe Robbie. They're all the same. Those part are two are the same thing. Land Shark, it was for a while. Um, it was Dolphin Stadium. Then it was Dolphins Stadium. Uh, but this one now, the Hard Rock, is is really one of the better stadiums I've ever been to. Uh, I thought it was tremendous. They redid the press box, which, you know, now we're in the corner of the end zone. So our view of the game is skewed. Because um, every time there would be a play, you were like, how many yards did they get? Because you couldn't really tell. And I like to keep play-by-play play during the game. So you're a little skewed, but that was. But I'm not complaining because we had it was great seats. They they treated you really well there. It was um, it was a good experience. I mean we we tried something different this time because of the lateness of the game. We knew it was going to go late and uh, wrote for the web and then came back the next day. Uh, but that meant we were there very late. If you saw our um, swamp cast last one of the year for football, uh, we got back to our rooms about 3:20. But you know what? Overall, experience was great and the stadium is great and Gator fans showed up for that game. Uh, You knew they would. You kind of, you know, like you knew they would, but you always wonder if they're really going to Uh, because even though it's in the state of Florida, the South Florida Gators were going to be there, you, you weren't sure that they were excited about the opposition. We talked about that a lot, the fact they were playing Virginia which was ranked 24th and probably shouldn't have been in the top 25, uh, but they were. And the Gator fans weren't going to feel the same way they did about Michigan the year before. Um, But the Gator fans showed up. They dominated the the, the crowd. And and the funny thing was when uh, there were a couple of touchdowns that Virginia scored on the other end of the field, so I couldn't really see whether he caught it, whether it was a touchdown or not. Uh, For example, the great catch that that the one guy made – whose name has escaped me and I left the uh, unfortunately I left the uh, play-by-play in the other room but he made this great catch and I said I think it's a touchdown you know Um, but there there was no crowd noise because Virginia really not a lot of people went there and you can understand that okay it's a chance to go to Miami where you're going to pay a fortune the media rooms themselves were 219 Virginia the, the team hotel was 400 a night Everything was expensive, obviously, and you weren't that happy with the way your team finished the season with that embarrassing loss to Clemson, and you didn't think they had much of a chance against the Mighty Gators. So you got why Virginia didn't show, and you got why Florida showed, and you kind of thought that would be the case, but it was overwhelming. It was, to be honest with you, uh, amazing because, for example, they introduced the honorary captains. Chris Long is one yeah, you didn't hear a whole lot. I mean, you know, the Virginia fans, yeah, cheering, yeah. And then Spurs introduced and the place goes bonkers. It's like they said, and now, ladies and gentlemen, Bruce Springsteen. People went nuts. Um, So the game itself was – I wasn't surprised at – A lot in that game. I was a little surprised at how poorly Florida played on defense, but I knew Virginia was going to play its tails off. I I, there was no doubt in my mind. You know, just talking to those guys all week, they were so tired of hearing how bad they were and how good Florida was, and they were huge underdogs, and they were going to have the crowd. And why did they even get invited to the game? And why? Should Florida even show up? They got fed up with it. They were ready to go, and they played at a very high level. Their quarterback is really good. He's talented. Uh, Florida did a great job of taking the running game away from him, taking the running game away totally from Virginia. But uh, the pass defense was a was a series of missed assignments and great plays by them. They had two of the best catches I saw all year. You know, against Florida. I mean, I've seen better, better catches in college football, but those are probably the two best catches I saw all year. Uh, the one in the end zone there, where I, I still don't know how he caught it and got a foot down, and then the diving catch that um, their great receiver Joe uh, Moore made. Um, they were they were they were loaded for bear. They were ready to come out and play. They had a great game plan. They had plays, trick plays, and stuff like that. Uh, but in the end, Florida was just too good. Florida was too talented. Florida um, was had too many weapons on offense. The receivers shown, trash shown. Well, P. Pirine was the MVP, of course, as you know. And the Gators end up with 549 yards of offense, 36 points, 25 first downs. I mean, it was a dominant offensive performance by Florida. Could it have been better? In theory, yes. Uh, But to me, the biggest plays of the game were the two-play series where Elam makes the incredibly acrobatic pick. And we all sit there and came away from that going, man, Kair Elam is going to have an unbelievable future at Florida. I mean, he's already good. He's going to get great. He's going to be the next great DB. Um, But Florida's problem was, and then, and then, I'm sorry, the next play was where um, Trask throws it to Jefferson, gutsy call, gutsy decision, uh, and he, he runs at 53 yards and sets up a field goal that didn't put the game away because they still had an onside kick. Um, but that was the thing, and I wrote about this. You know, Trask has goes to the line a lot of times with options. Like, you've got an option. I can, I can take it out here if I tell our guys, hey, we're going to do this on the fourth down play, which was a big play in the game, you know, he tells them we were going to run up the – we have two choices. We can go up the middle, but that's where their stack is, so we're going to run the option left. And they get it, and they run the option, and they barely made it, um, but they did make it. And then on that play that he threw it to Jefferson – they're, the play is, you know, it's not, I'm like, it's not called that they're going to run it right up the middle just just to get some breathing room, possibly for uh, for being on your own three yard line. But you've got the option if they drop back and they're afraid to get and be deep, you can throw the ball. And when he does, and then Van Jefferson, as he's done his whole career, makes a, a great run out of it. I tell you, uh, there's a lot of guys I'm going to miss watching play football from this football team. Uh, as a interview and as a guy that was just fun to talk to, Van Jefferson's probably at the top. I mean, he has been tremendous for us um, whenever we've we've had an opportunity to talk to him. And production wise, has been amazing. Uh, that was a huge. You know, you think about the grad transfer. The, the portal, not the grad transfer in, in his case, but the portal and all that. Uh, his case was obviously because Ole Miss had had committed crimes. Um, and he what – a, what a great addition. We thought he would be – he lived up to it, I think. And, and of course, the other one being John Grenard, who again played uh, his tail off with, a, with an injured ankle that he had to keep coming out of the game for. Um, so – the defense did not play well. They played soft a lot. They kept allowing that little, little short pass to the slot guy. Uh, they they seemed to play with uh, without a lot of uh, urgency. Uh, they made a lot of mistakes. There were coverage mistakes all over the place. You know, On the first touchdown that they got, Javon Taylor uh, just literally was just like watching the play. He was supposed to be over there. There was supposed to be double coverage on the receiver that caught the touchdown. He's just kind of watching. Hey, hey, they caught it. Um, Obviously, they've got to get a lot better next year in the secondary. Marco Wilson, I thought, by the end of the year, was playing pretty well. uh, But he still wasn't up to his, you know, really his freshman year. C.J. Henderson, I never – with the injury and everything, I never felt like was a dominant cornerback that I thought he might be. Uh, and, of course, declaring early for the draft so he wasn't available. And they've got a lot of young guys that are going to have to get better, get a lot better, and get a lot smarter and, and not miss as many assignments as they did. Um, but, you know, the defense also held them to 52 rushing yards in the game, which was pretty darn good. So, you know, there, was, there were positive things. They made some stops when they really needed them. Uh, at the end of the game, the fact that it came down to an onside kick was discern- This, You know, people were not happy. Now, there are some people that were really mad because they were sending me texts and emails and, you know, stuff like that. I got a couple of emails from people who thought this was an embarrassment, the way Florida played. You guys know how I feel. And I'll tell you, after we take this break, as we like to do around this time in the podcast on the Duly Noted Podcast. No one gets you
1: ready to celebrate like the team at ABC Fine Wine and Spirits. You want great prices in a giant selection? They've got it. You need convenient locations, online ordering, and fast service? ABC's got you covered. Get a jump on this month's deals at abcfws.com. Visit any of their 123 Florida stores today for free samples or get expert advice from their beer, wine, or spirits experts. Don't forget a cigar in their walk-in humidor. ABC is Florida family-owned and operated since 1936. ABC. Always be celebrating.
0: Okay, welcome back to the podcast. And uh, yeah, what I was what I was going to say was I have a, a philosophy in life of win by one. And it was certainly the case in this game. They won the game. They celebrated. They ate oranges. They were very happy to have gone out winners. The seniors were thrilled to have gone out winners. Kyle Trask was happy. Dan Mullen was happy. The Gator fans who were there were happy, but there were a lot of people that weren't happy, that just said, you know, how could this happen? Well, look, it's college football. And a lot of you aren't aware of the fact that it is college football. Uh, that's clear, because in college football, anything can happen, as we know. A team that's been told they're no good, uh, that they had no business being in a game against a team that has had a, a played in all kinds of big games and sometimes uh, it, things don't work out the, exactly the way you you hope they would. Um, you know you, you get the P Ryan run right away, you get a stop on third down. David Reese uh, stuffs the uh, run, the quarterback run, you get the ball back and then Kyle Trasso's an interception because they blitz and they got pressure. Um, then you blitz and they hit they make a great throw and catch for a touchdown that's just college football it happens that way the bit, bottom line is win the game you play to win the game and the gators won and they won their 11th game of the year they've won 21 games over 2 years they haven't always looked great they're they have been flawed there is no question about it this is not a roster you know that and we've talked about this at, at length. This is not a playoff roster, right? Now, look, we know that there are three Uber teams this year, three teams that are ridiculously good. And one of them has been eliminated, but two of them are playing for the national championship. Uh, apparently, it's going to be like in 2021 because the game is going to be so far down the road. I'm not even going to discuss that. It's just ridiculous the way they've set it up. And and that's the thing about the college football playoff that drives me crazy. Here they've got this unscrew upable thing. That that's a word I've just invented. Unscrew upable thing in the four team college football playoff. The committee does a good job every year of getting them the four best teams in their mind. Sometimes you can make an argument here and there. I don't think this year there was really any argument, but there were obviously three teams that were better than everybody else. And they still screw it up. Remember, a couple years ago, they added on New Year's Eve the playoff. What a dumb decision that was! This year, sixteen games between or sixteen days between the start or the semifinals and the finals. By the time we get to the finals, the NFL will have gone through two rounds of the playoffs. It's going to be—I don't—I'm sure the ratings going to be crazy through the roof, and that's all they're going to care about. But it's just dumb. But that's what they do, okay. That, but that's not what we're talking about right now. We're talking about Florida getting through eleven, getting to eleven wins this year, and how important that'll be. Uh, a little bit later in the show, I'm going to talk about my final AP bout, which I have to have in. Uh, literally, I think they wanted 15 minutes after the end of the LSU Clemson game uh, what it's going to look like because it'll be pretty much done. Um, I can't. I, in fact, I don't think there is another game being played that is going to affect my ballot. I'm not putting Tennessee in there if they beat Indiana. Sorry, they're not getting into my top 25. Um, I'm just trying to think who else. Well, Cincinnati could be affected uh, by it. But at any rate, um, they get to 11 wins. And before the season, I talked a lot about how this team, the roster was a concern, and it was all year. And they at the end of the season in their last game they were playing with sixty six or something scholarship players that were that were physically able to play. Um, I think it was an, a heck of a, again a heck of a coaching job by Dan Mullen. I think he did a tremendous job to get to this point to get this. Look what he's done is win twenty one games with a four team a four win team. They won four games before he got here. Now he's won twenty one. And the roster is going to only get better. The guys they're losing from this year are, are going to certainly hurt. But everybody, like my wife made this point. We were talking about because she was she was joking. I don't think she was joking. I think she was talking about, well, you know, next year uh, the championship games of Miami, we could be back down there. I'm like, what, what are you talking about? This team, they're losing so much. All those receivers, John Grenard, David Reese, Nick Buchanan, who I think uh, had a great year, really probably in another conference might have been an all-SEC center. Um, Michael Piron. And we don't know about some other guys that still could decide to come out. Of course, we know Trayvon Grimes announced yesterday that he's coming back, and that's great uh, for Florida. Uh, They're going to be still good at receiver. I don't think they'll be quite as good uh, because when you look at who they're losing – with Jefferson, who was just a rock, with, with Hammond and Swain, who played really well all year. Tyree Cleveland played a little bit better at the end of the year. He did a lot of good things for Florida and was a great teammate. Um, they've got to be able to get that bond back, you know, with Copeland and um, obviously Grimes, some of the young guys that will be back, and then the new guys coming in. So they've got to get that same bond, and they hopefully they learn from these guys, you know, when we were down there, um, one of the writers who covers uh, some of Miami and, and obviously Florida as well, we were talking to him. His name's Tom D'Angelo. He works for the Palm Beach Post. Great guy. Known for a long time. And he was saying, look, um, Miami has got to get what Florida's got. And that is this sense of buying in for the team. It's about the team. He said, Miami's not about the you; It's about the Y-O-U. And he's he that is a great line. I was going to steal it, but now I've already given it away. Um, but he's right, Miami, my, Miami, and I'll talk about them in a minute. But Miami, nobody, nobody down there cares about the team. They care about themselves and getting the, the turnover chain and all that. Florida has bought in, and hopefully, what those seniors have done this year will will continue through. Right? It will that that the 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 guys that are coming up and now will take more of the starring roles whether it's at wide receiver, whether it's a linebacker, whether it's at you know in the secondary, that they're going to understand what it means, what it takes for you to win games, and you would like to think that it will have rubbed off on them. So we'll see next year. Um, th- look, I, I wrote about it the, the other day. The schedules. A little bit easier, and on the other hand, it got a little bit tougher. You know, I think Lane Kiffin going to Ole Miss was probably made that one single game a little bit more difficult than it would have been if Matt Luke had been there or if they had hired somebody else that wasn't a really good offensive coach. I think um, you know FSU getting those two guys to come back, Marvin Wilson and um, and Tem- I don't, know, is it Temerian, Terry? I've never. I'm not sure how you pronounce his name, but I, I think the guy's tremendous. I have watched him all year. Getting those guys to come back, I was stunned. They both did. Um, that's a good, and they're gonna they're gonna be better coach. We know that they cannot be worse coach. We know that. Okay, so they'll be better coach. So that game's a little tougher. You know, uh, LSU is gonna be interesting to see where they go um, in terms of with Joe Burrow and all that stuff going and some other juniors that are going to be going out. But anyway, the the point is the schedule is manageable, and there's no reason to think they can't win 10 or 11 games again next year. Playoff team, no, I don't think so. Look, they have not recruited at the level I think that gets them there, and we all know a lot of people complain about the recruiting and – They're doing a good job. We still have to wait and see what happens with the transfer portal. There are so many guys out there. Are they going to be good fits with this team? Look, that's the thing about Van Jefferson and John Grenard. They were great fits. They came in here and they fit right in to everything. Uh, Grenard, uh, another one of my favorites to talk to whenever we we had opportunities with him and gave his heart and soul for the football team, a football team that he didn't sign with, a football team he – only got to know in January, so uh, of last year. So um, we'll see how that all works out. Um, there's still some guys out there and recruiting wise that they could get, and we've just we've seen the. the I, I I think there's a point here. The point is <laughs> that um, this coaching staff, this head coach and his staff, have done a really good job. With players that aren't, I don't think the the athletes, the players on this team should have won 21 games. I think that's the point I'm trying to make. But they did. And if you want to be critical of them and you didn't like this, you didn't like that and they lost to Georgia and they lost at LSU and they didn't look great against Virginia defensively and they should have beaten Virginia a lot worse and blah, blah, blah. That's your opinion and you're certainly entitled to it. But They won 21 games with two rosters that shouldn't have won 21 games, in my opinion. That's just my opinion. Now, they've got to get the roster better. That's part of the deal. that has got to be more complete. It's got to have better players. You've got to get some five stars in here. Um, But there's no reason to think that they won't still be really good again next year. In fact, when I've already kind of thought about my my, – what my preseason top twenty-five will look like? I haven't look. W- one thing I'll have to do after the championship game is write a column on the way too early top twenty-five. Everybody does it. I'm going to do it too. Um, it's it's meaningless in a way, but I think people still have interest in it. It's just like you know bowl games and and stuff like that, where where it's 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 still uh, there's there's not a lot of substance to it, but it's still interesting. It's why we have talk radio? It's why we have websites, you know, that do other things like that, all decade teams and stuff like that. And I'll talk about that in a little bit too. Um, but bottom line, eleven and two. I don't think Gator fans are so jaded that eleven and two, two years after four and seven, means nothing. I think it does mean something. Okay. Um, by the way, one last thing about the game. Um, you know, well actually two last things. <laughs> Cuz I told you this may this may go long because I got a lot of things to talk about. The um Kyle Trask was not sharp in this game for most much, much of the game. He was off a little bit. And I think it may have been the the time away, the maybe again, you're talking about a guy who was not a starter forever. We all know the story. It's a great story. Uh, and then all of a sudden gets thrust into the, into as the starter, gets some momentum, gets, gets a rhythm going. And then you have all this time off. And maybe that's why. Maybe there were other reasons. I don't know. But he was not on. And yet he threw for over 300 yards. That's, that's what Florida football was this year. Florida football was passing the ball. And, and this was, again, they ran. The ball really well. P. Ryan was ridiculous. P. Ryan had, of course, three touchdowns and should have had four. Uh, Just barely stepped out of bounds. I still don't think he was out of bounds, but, you know, he goes for 138 plus 43 receiving. What a game he had. And it was great to see him go out that way. So, uh, but Trask wasn't great in this game, and yet they put up 36 points. So it was kind of like. The old days with with Steve Spurrier, you know. Um, The other thing was, and I I should have looked it up. I should have looked at the name of the official who did the game, who was the head official for the game. He is now my favorite guy. I got to look his name up. I didn't even look his name up at, at the game. I was just marveling at how hilarious he was. Because early in the game, he left his mic on, and he said something about how, the red hat guy is killing us, man. He's stealing seconds. And he was talking about the red hat guy. Now, for those of you who don't know, the red hat guy is a guy who walks out there with the timer, you know, the big, huge timer that tells you how much time till the next commercial. And the theory is, hey, I mean, th- for the commercial, the theory is this gives you time. All right, there's two minutes until I got time to go to the bathroom. I got time to do this. I, whatever. That's the theory, right? Right. Well, this guy was was coming out there and he'd plant the thing down in the field and it, it'd read off the time. And when it would hit zero, he would then pick it up and start to go. Well, no, you need to get off the field. It needs to be zero when you get off the field. And I'm the only one who cares about that, but I, at least I thought. But this guy did. The red referee did. He's stealing seconds. They want to go. They want to get going with the game. The other thing was the way he announced things. At one point he said, clock operator please reset to 223 please and thank you. That cracked me up and then the way you announce the end of the quarters that is the end of the first quarter <laughs> And every time he did I was I would just go this is CNN. He was he was great. I love that guy. I wish he was doing every Florida game. Here's another reason. I wish that crew would do every Florida game. Seven penalties in the entire game. And it had to be – look, one of them was a kickoff out of bounds. You can't miss that one. Um, one was a delayed game. So they Virginia had three penalties in the game. Two of them were on special teams. The other one was the throw to the uh, the offensive lineman that was a forward pass and it was illegal and they had to go to review. So that's the only way that one got got – called and Florida very few you know Jabari Zuniga got two penalties I think consecutive plays and other than that they hardly called anything so they let the guys play uh sometimes they let them play to extreme and it bothers me when they're letting holding go away get away over and over again it felt like an SEC championship game because they weren't calling holding in that game at all but for the most part it made the game go by a little faster and it was still the longest game ever it would not get over. It was over, well over three hours. or Well, actually over three and a half hours. Um, so, I still like that guy, though. Thumbs up on him. All right, we're going to take a break. We're going to bring on Peter Burns. We're going to talk to him about the SEC's performance in the uh, bowl game so far. With two to go, Tennessee and LSU still have games to play. Although, I don't consider – like when you say bowl games, I don't consider the playoffs to be bowl games. You know, they're not bowl games. They're playoff games. There's playoff games and then there's the bowls. But there's two games left with the SEC, so we'll talk to him about that and the Cash Daniel interview right after we take a break here on the Duly Noted Podcast at Gatorsports.com. Zaxby's taking chicken to a whole new level of flavor. Stop by your neighborhood Zaxby's today or visit Zaxby's.com. All right, welcome back to the Duly Noted Podcast. It's a great pleasure to be joined by Peter Burns, who's been a great friend to this podcast, and uh, it's great to have him on. And it's been a very successful season for the SEC so far, Peter. Of course, your LSU Tigers leading the way.
1: I was going to say, man, it's, uh, you know, my son, Pat, this Thomas was born in, on Halloween, and I joke around with him and you know, my and my wife and saying, hey, my son has never seen the LSU Tigers lose a ball game. So, <laughs> And, you know, and especially my wife's a diehard Alabama fan, saying, "You know, my son's never seen uh, Alabama beat LSU, so it's a happy day in the Burns household."
0: Yeah, uh, but the, you know, I, I again, I don't think I think we make too much of whether the one league wins how many games and how many. You know, it's all about individual matchups and teams showing up. But I, I do think that, for example, you saw last night Georgia's recruiting come. Full circle on that. They this is why they can lose thirteen guys and still go beat them.
1: Right, and we look at our, you know Oklahoma that can lose two guys either a suspension in a in an injury, and all of a sudden they get blown uh, the doors off against an LSU squad. I mean, that, that to me is. Every part of the recruiting prowess that that Kirby has built, and that Dan's trying to get in, in Gainesville, is to say, "Hey, listen, you know, that's a good, you know, you're a good, solid team, Baylor. It's a good story, and they were vested." He didn't know how vested Georgia was going to be, and sure enough, they absolutely waxed them. So, I mean, it's a um, you know that's that's the power of of recruiting and the power of what the SEC has done.
0: Yeah, you know, I talked about this with uh, in in terms of Dan Mullen. I don't think they've had a 21 win roster over these last two years, and and I think he's done a great job. They've obviously got to do better recruiting to get. To that elite level where they can play, get into the playoffs, but to win 21 games in two years with the roster they've had, I think he's done a marvelous job.
1: Yeah, I don't think that there's a doubt. You know, and kind similar to what he did at Mississippi State, right? The blueprint was, hey, how can you take what you have and kind of and kind of spruce it up? Because a lot of those guys in the season they weren't recruited by Dan. You know, they could have easily said, man, you know what? I'm not getting play. My playing time's not good. This is not going well. And and for him to navigate that, and to have those two seasons before he even gets "quote unquote" his plan in, if you're a, if you're a Gator fan right now, and especially if you've seen some of the turmoil of, that's going on with Georgia and their football team, you got to be looking at it going. You know what? This is as good of a situation. I mean, hell, I mean, what would have happened had they actually beat Georgia, uh, you know, in that game in Jacksonville? I mean, what would have happened in year two? So, uh, again, I, I go back and look at the the new hires and over a couple of years ago, and I'm not sure how you can't say that Dan Mull is not one of the top ones. And Pat, also, I think it's starting to spread nationally to where more and more people are starting to pick up going. Hey, this whole Dan Mullen, the Florida thing, might go down as one of the better hires that we've seen in the last decade if he keeps up at this pace.
0: Yeah, there's no question. And again they, they they're gonna have another good recruiting year. They they top ten Top 10 team, top, t- top 10 academics, top 10 recruiting. I think they're, they're going to continue to sell that. I think it was really important to win a game. And, again, a lot of people have been critical that they didn't blow Virginia out. But, look, I've been to bowl games. Usually the underdog shows up and plays his tail off when they've been told all yeah. week they can't play with his team.
1: Well, and especially an SEC squad, right? Yeah, like I, I remember when I used to carry the when I used to cover the Broncos, and the Broncos were so good, and even the Patriots were so good. Every single game was a Super Bowl against them because they couldn't wait to beat Peyton Manning and the Broncos, or they couldn't wait to beat Tom Brady and Belichick and whatnot. And so, yeah, I mean, honestly, all week long, I mean, I heard that from Virginia Tech fans talking about you know Kentucky that, hey, there's something, there's a pride to take in, in battling an SEC school, And, you know, yeah, hey, I guarantee you there's a lot of Gainesville and Gator fans right now that are saying, hey, the line was 14. Why didn't we win by more than that? Yeah, you right. know, maybe it cost them a dollar or two. But uh, at the end of the day, you could see the fan was smiling, and he, he knows, man. The 11 wins was much more important than if you covered against a team that really wanted to. And, frankly, you go back and look at the game, and I'm sure, you know, you talked about it on the podcast. Like the opportunities were there to blow them out. You know, early turnover and, and you know, they they, they Outgained them uh, by a ton. It's just and, and then Bryce Perkins put out probably seven different highlight reel plays that he probably shouldn't have made. So um, you know, again, it, it, it was as good of a way that you could um, end the season for the for the Gators.
0: It's about winning, and, and you brought up Kentucky, and certainly I still don't know how they won that game with their situation. I don't know how he was able to do what he did with that team to win as many games as they did without a real quarterback. But he just you know give Mark Stoops a lot of credit, but of course the big story around here was your interview with Cash Daniel after the game when he apologized to uh, Kyle Trask and to the University of Florida. I was stunned when I saw it, and I'm sure you were stunned there on the uh, surface of the uh, playing field as well doing that interview.
1: Well, well, we did the interview and we're going on and we're talking about the game and stuff, and I see Cash Daniel, I see that he's crying, so the corner of my eye I I reached out to my producer because I knew that we they were they were running a graphic so we weren't on air so I said hey go ahead and get Cash so Cash comes on and we and we pop him down in the chair and we start talking and I can see that he's emotional and I'm like man okay so you know kind of diving into what did, you know what had happened we talked about the game and stuff and at the end you could just tell like something was still there so you know "Oh, i man anything else you want to say and when he started talking about you know, hey, let me get this off my chest. I want to apologize to Kyle Trask and apologize for to Florida. TJ. Like we didn't, we couldn't look at each other because we were on air, but we both had that feeling like, oh my gosh, like I didn't see this coming. I didn't expect this, and for him to say that wasn't me, I got caught up in it. And you could tell too, it wasn't like, hey, you know, someone has told me to apologize, Pat. It was. It had been eating at him, and and I hadn't told anybody this until here you on know, this podcast. But he texted me after you know he actually texted me the next morning and said, "Hey, I really appreciate you letting me apologize and you know tell that tell that thing about Florida." And, and I think you know he goes, "That's been sitting wrong with me ever since it happened, and I handled it wrong." So the fact that you know not only it happened at that bowl game and that interview, the fact that a day later. He was happy that he got an opportunity to at least try to set the record straight of some sort. It means that, you know, I mean that I think it was a pretty genuine apology.
0: Yeah, and you know, like you said, nobody told him to do that. If, if somebody was going to tell him to do it, they'd have told him to do it after the game or, or that week. Remember, he had the, the press conference yeah. where, he, where he denied it. And uh, I, I like some fans, Florida fans, are like, "Well, why didn't you do it then?" But I'm more like, "Hey, thank, thanks for being a man." And standing up and sure. saying, hey, I, I made a huge mistake and I apologize. Luckily, Kyle Trask was not injured. Um, and I think people I, – I gained a new respect for Cash Daniel. I always liked him as a football player.
1: I, I did, too. And I almost thought that there was this kind of like – you know, remember Lattimore in the program, like just this wild and crazy guy. And Cash is kind of that wrestler, you know, cut a WWE promo type guy. And like I said, there is a human element that I've done. I've spent some time with Cash. He's been on my radio show a lot. And hell, we went fishing one time up in Lexington for one of the spring tour events we did. And I I could tell that, you know, he's a pretty complex dude. And the fact that, you know, that was just a genuine moment, I did. I mean, like, I think social media and just being around the, what I think sometimes is a like toxic, it just means too much sometimes. Yeah. Uh, in the SEC, we look at these kids and think automatically, oh, they're a villain written in a script and can? i with this kid and you should have done that. Like at the end of the day, that I think he tried to make it right? And was he something that he was genuinely sorry for? Yeah, and and I respect that out of cash, and I respect that out of the, you know, the Florida Gator fans who truly accepted that apology and moved on.
0: Last thing for you, the Alabama schools, we saw two different results, obviously, at the same time, which I don't know why they had to play both those games at 1 o'clock. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> you know, Alabama, as, as Nick Saban said, wanted to make a statement that this is a good program, this is a culturally... Strong program, uh, you know what Jerry Jew did was amazing. Auburn, on the other hand, all of a sudden can't play defense, which I I, I was stunned by how poorly they played. It, it's not like Derek Brown and Marlon Davidson said we're we're not playing this game. They just couldn't stop uh, that Minnesota offense, which was stunning to me.
1: Yeah, I think that was the biggest splitter is the fact that, you know, I mean, Auburn flat out got, got bullied in the trenches, and that's something I would have never expected once, you know, Davidson and, 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 and Brown elected to play in that game. And uh, listen, I mean, Gus's play calling did not do himself any favor in that game. Um, and so, you know, I think it'll be nice that Chad Morris is going to be taking over as the OC, but they're definitely going to lose a lot. Um, and, again, I, I just realized that I think Gus is one of those guys that just thrives on chaos. Like, my, my tinfoil theory is the fact that had he won that bowl game, it wouldn't have given him an edge going into the next year. So he's like, how can I get the Auburn fans upset at me? Let me lose this bowl <laughs> game and let me call fake puns. And know, give him the motivation that he needs. Um, yeah, that was that was disappointing, and again, that was an important win for Alabama because at the same time, you know, every time Alabama loses a couple of games, it's like, oh, it's the dynasty over. And the fact that those kids wanted to come back um, and, and show off. And, you know, even the last touchdown, you know, traditionally, I, you know, it's taken knee, we've won, but, you know, it was a, it was a nod to Najee Harris who it got him all the way down there. Najee, you know, uh, had, had thought about going to Michigan, I think, even at some point, And he decided to go Alabama. The fact that Nick gave him the ball there and scored the last touchdown and, you know, turned the knife a little bit into our balls. Uh, that was just one of those little moments, hey. Uh, I'm I'm, okay. I'm I'm here. Although Pat, you gotta you gotta be honest with you. It's weird seeing Nick Saban wearing a Citrus Bowl uh, champion yeah. hat. That, that to me <laughs> was just a weird weird moment when I saw that highlight.
0: What was not weird was seeing Jim Harbaugh lose another bowl game. Think well, think about that, the, that his last bowl scary. win or oh. his only bowl win. I think was against Jim McElwain and Treon Harris. That's that's <laughs> that's the the best he's been able to do.
1: No, I mean, listen. I mean, he's lost his last four bowl games, and you go and look at it, it was crazy. The last 15 times or the last 20 times that Michigan has faced a top 15 team, not at home, they're 0-20. They've lost 20 straight. They haven't won against a top 15 opponent on a neutral field or a wrong environment since 2007, that's just unheard of. And, again, that's even more reason why when people are talking about the coaches of the year, they're more apt to talk about the job that Dan Mullen's doing in Gainesville than they ever will about what Jim Harbaugh's doing in in Angerburg.
0: He is Peter Burns from the SEC Network and does a tremendous job. We are lucky to have him when we get him. And we will right now take a break. We're going to come back with way more on the Duly Noted Podcast at Gatorsports.com. Zaxby's taking chicken to a whole new level of flavor. Stop by your neighborhood Zaxby's today or visit Zaxby's.com. All right. Thanks so much to Peter for coming on the show. We uh, He's been a great guest all year we've had him on several times and appreciate him Um, now again I said I've got a lot to talk about still um, and I do so I'm gonna go I'm gonna go do it I'm just gonna do it if you want to turn it off if you say you know I've had enough of this I've, I've how much of this can I listen to I get it one thing I was thinking about watching all these games, after especially after Florida won, was where am I going to put them in the AP poll? And this is something we talked about um, back when the uh, final college football rankings came out, that that's the last one of those, that they have nothing to do with where Florida's going to end up because the AP poll and the coaches' SID poll are uh, what your final thing is. It's not, it's not worth what the committee says because they're done. So where we rank them, uh, me, we being the AP writers, and I'm a voter, um, is really what Florida is going to – and the coaches poll – or what Florida is going to use to say, hey, top X team. you know. So I really think – here's the bottom line. I'm, I'm really struggling with with Georgia-Oklahoma. Last night I went to bed after watching that Georgia game and said, I think I'm putting Georgia ahead of Oklahoma. And then I thought about this morning I, and I said, wait a minute, Oklahoma – uh, got blown out by LSU. So did Georgia. Oklahoma had a bad loss at Kansas State. Georgia's loss is worse. Um, don't get caught up in the fact that Georgia, what Georgia did last night was pretty darn impressive uh, with all the guys they had out, and I'll get to that in a minute. But I I don't know. I like Oklahoma was in the playoff. Georgia was playing in the, the Sugar Bowl. I, I I still haven't decided, but we all know LSU or Clemson will be one. The other one will be two. Ohio State will be three. There's no doubt. Then you get to whether Oklahoma or Georgia's four and five. And I'm wondering how some of my colleagues are going to think on that. You know, after thinking it through, I still think I'm going to put Oklahoma because just what I said, does – Georgia's Georgia's losses are worse still because Georgia – that South Carolina loss—you can't get that taste out of your mouth. At the same time, if Georgia and Oklahoma were playing, who would I think would win? And I don't know if Georgia would have enough offense to beat Oklahoma, but that defense is so good. And eh, I'm kind of—I'm I'm kind of torn still. So maybe you guys have suggestions. Look, we've got a long time till I have to vote, obviously. I don't have to vote till the night of the game, championship game. So I'm I'm certainly willing to take your suggestions and don't try not to think about it in terms of Florida, right? Look, Florida was hoping that Georgia would lose and Florida would finish ahead of Georgia in one of the polls for two straight years. That would have been ideal, the perfect situation. But that didn't happen. And you know why it didn't happen? Because even with all the guys Georgia had out All these starters out, offensive linemen, uh, obviously uh, uh, Swift hardly played in the game. Um, Therion was out. uh, Their best receiver was out. All these guys out, and that's why a lot of us thought Baylor might just roll them. They still had better players than Baylor, and it wasn't even close. I mean, this is what recruiting five stars all over the place does for you as a program. That even if you get in that situation, you have the depth. And especially when it's a bowl game and you can practice these guys with first team reps for weeks to get ready for the game. It looked like men playing with boys. It really did. Baylor doesn't have any of those guys. They don't have a bunch of five and four star guys. I mean, I'm sure they have some four stars, but Georgia loaded with them. And this is what all that great recruiting that they've done allowed them to do. Now, it, when they're playing against LSU, which we'll talk about in a minute, it, it doesn't matter how many five-star guys they got because LSU's got as many and they're, they've got a better plan. But I give Georgia cre- total credit for winning that game because they had so many guys out. However, you know, it, when you think about it, it's not that surprising. You know, the the Baylor quarterback was coming out of concussion protocol, got hurt in the game, late hit. Um, But that was late in the game, and that's not why they lost the game. They lost the game because uh, Georgia just dominated them in the first half, 19 to nothing. So I give credit to Georgia. So Georgia will either be four or five. My gut is that the AP voters – and maybe the coaches, too, are going to say, look, Oklahoma was in the playoff, so that makes them the fourth best team. I still don't – like I said, I don't know what I'm going to do. Then you get to the next slot, and what are you going to do with Florida and Oregon? Oregon, of course, won the Rose Bowl by a point. It's a great game. I, I, I got to be honest, I did not watch it. We had committed to having New Year's Day, um, having – uh, Chinese food and watching Once Upon a Time in Hollywood which was spectacular one of the best movies I've ever seen I can't wait to watch it again it is so good um, and so we didn't watch the Rose Bowl I, and I watched a little bit of this. I didn't watch a ton of the sugar but I watched this enough to see what I needed to see but is it Oregon or is it Florida? Now if, if you're an AP voter you had Florida ahead of Oregon uh, vice versa, in the other one, um, Florida's performance, you could say, wasn't that great. I I disagree. They won the game. Oregon won by a point. So uh, my gut is that the AP will have Florida six and Oregon will be six in the coaches' poll. All you need to do is finish sixth in one of the polls. The 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 one negative thing about this, and and look, the bottom line is, it really doesn't matter. You're going to say. Top six program. If you get one of them, if you weren't, you'd take top te- top seven. Is it really that big a deal? Uh, you're in the top ten. The perfect world, Georgia lost, and maybe you go up ahead of them. Maybe you sneak into the fifth spot, but that's not going to happen now. So, um, and again, if Baylor won, they might have snuck into that spot. So, I think it'll be in my my ballot. will have Florida six. Um, I think Oregon may be. Six and, and the coaches, but and it may we'll see. It may be in, they're six in both, and then I think Alabama will be elevated eighth because they finally got the win they needed, and they're eleven and two. They made a statement as as Nick Saban said. I think they'll be eighth. I think Penn State will be ninth, and Minnesota tenth. Minnesota would be a big jump for them, but I think they probably deserve it. Probably Notre Dame eleventh, and then after that, it's you know really doesn't matter. I think Navy will get into the top twenty as well. Um, so, just a, a quick word on the playoff games. The the LSU look. This LSU team may be the best offense we've ever seen in college football. They they are unstoppable. And I know there have been great ones in the past, and including some Florida ones. But this offense, it looks unstoppable. Like I don't think Clemson has a chance against them. I may be wrong. Obviously, people are upset at Ohio State about their loss to Clemson. Fishel blew the call on the fumble. I get it, but these things happen all the time. I mean, there was a huge play in that Georgia-Baylor uh, game where the the defender for Georgia basically grabbed the guys by the undershirt and pulled him back so he couldn't get to a, uh, what would have been a touchdown pass. And the game was still close. But this just happens. Officiating is a flawed – Science, you know, lazy markings, missed calls. I almost think they need another official on the field because I think as much as the forward pass has taken over the game, and it has, it's very hard for officials to always be in position to see everything that happens. So it's – but Ohio State, calm down. Calm down, man. Just remember that Miami game (laughs) from way back when. Okay, you got a break there. Now, no, you didn't get a break this time. I don't think it really mattered. I, it matters obviously to the two teams. And it matters. Uh, I don't think it matters in terms of whether you were going to win the national championship or not. I don't. I don't think there's any way Ohio State be, would beat LSU. And to be honest with you, I don't think Clemson could beat LSU. This is a near flawless team. Uh, they've got their defense going better now. They're still not a great defensive team. They've got great defensive players, and they're underachieving defensively, but they play good enough. They always play to whatever level they need to play, right? So, um, you know, it, 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 but when you look at the quarterback who gets it, who's really talented, it'll be the first pick in the draft. One of the best offensive lines I've seen. You know, I go back to that Florida game. That's one reason that he dominated them is Florida couldn't get any pressure. Now, I know their ends were out, but they couldn't get any pressure no matter what they did. And great receivers and great running backs, they've got everything. Great tight ends. Offensively, this may be the best team we've ever seen. All right. Um I like guess I said, I got a, let me let me just quickly go through. Obviously the the bowl the other bowls FSU and Miami both losing both of them under 500 for the first time and since 1976. that Both teams finished 6 and 7 or, or worse. Um, FSU I know they had a lot some illnesses before the game. Um okay. Yeah. Um, but they the quarterback play was just terrible there and it you know, I know they got a, a Recruit coming in, I guess maybe he's going to be the, the savior. But the guys they have can't play. Uh, we saw that here. Miami losing, getting shut out. It's embarrassment for them. Um, and, that, of course, the, the weird thing was that they the story was out there that Dan Enos was not going to be retained before the game. Hey, I don't know how much heart you can put into a game. I guess you're still trying to put it on your resume. They They throw up a nice little goose egg. But Miami, both those programs are a mess. The difference is Miami is going to run with the same guy, and I, I don't know that you you could fire Manny Diaz after one year. It'll be interesting to see what they, what they're like next year. But they're they they had one of the most embarrassing seasons in the history of that program, losing to FIU, getting shut out in their bowl game. Oh, that's that's bad. And FSU, same deal under 500 two years in a row it's amazing if you look back to the the Jameis Winston oath was it 13 or 14 they're winning a the national championship playing in the playoffs and since then what has happened it's really startling to think about SEC I mentioned the Alabama win think about next year Alabama next year has USC and Georgia in the first three weeks of the season that's going to be really interesting Uh, Auburn's loss, not surprised that Auburn could lose to anybody because I think that's the way they were all year. They've got a really talented team. What I am surprised about is their defense wasn't very good their last two games. They weren't good against Alabama. They won the game, but the defense wasn't great. Um, They did have two pick sixes, but they gave up an awful lot of points and yards, and then they weren't good in this game against Minnesota. Uh, Kentucky's win was certainly um, interesting to watch. Um, good for them. I think how they got what they got, win wise, out of that situation without a quarterback was amazing. And of course, they'll be in the swamp next year. Mississippi State's loss didn't surprise anybody. I don't think. I think Joe Moorhead is gone after next year. I think they're going to be bad again next year. Uh, and bad. When there's a difference between bad and not fun to watch. And and that's really what Baylor was. Not they were Baylor in that game last night. Wasn't fun to watch. They reminded me of the Must mustchamp offenses where you just didn't want to watch it. It was, it, And I didn't. I kept flipping it over to something else. All right. Um, also, Matt Rule, we'll see if he ends up leaving. There's a lot of buzz about him going to the NFL. That would be a blow for them. I don't think they can. He's done an amazing job. I know they were bad last night. He's done an amazing job. One of the big stories of today, and we'll see where this goes is Ole Miss hiring DJ Durkin uh, to, for their staff. Obviously, they don't care about what anybody thinks of them anymore, or have they ever, um, but you, you, that is just a, a dumb hire. It really is. That is a hire that says you're, – you're talking about a guy who had a to- toxic culture at Maryland. Now, look, when DJ Durkin was here, I had never had a problem. We, I got along with him fine. And maybe he's just a guy you can't have him running your program. You, he can be a good assistant coach for you, but you can't have him running your program because he doesn't get it. You know, a guy died on his watch, and a lot of the blame was directed towards him. You fired a guy because one of his players pretended to pee in the end zone, and then you hired a guy – Who's who's had this toxic culture at Maryland, and was most people felt like nobody's going to ever take a chance on him again. He's done. I I just think it's a dumb hire. Um. Okay. So before I get to three things, um, we are going to start doing the podcast. is going to be on Wednesdays from now on, and um. Uh, just because most a lot of the Gator basketball games are on Tuesday, but uh, we just want to move it to Wednesday. So we'll do that on Wednesday. And then afterwards, I'll be doing a Facebook Live every Wednesday at 2 o'clock. So you can ask questions uh, on that, and then the, we'll post the uh, podcast later. I hope you guys enjoyed all the videos we did, the one with Coach Spurrier, with uh, the top ten mo- uh, stories of the decade, all that stuff. I know everybody was doing top tens and everything. I hope you enjoyed ours. Um most of the feedback I got back was really positive. So anyway, all right, finally, three things. It's time for three things. Number one, it has been a tragic couple of weeks um, for the sports world. Obviously, the, the biggest one for me personally was was losing our, our friend Ed Ashoff, who worked here for four years. And uh, was a very close friend and um, very painful. There have been a lot of tears in our household. Uh, there was a point down there at the Orange Bowl when I'd had a couple. <laughs> and I was sitting in my room and started thinking about him, and, and kind of lost it again. Um, it's been rough. Ed was a one of the sweetest guys in the world. I, I think I said this in my column. Everybody who knew Ed thought they had this unique special relationship with him and that he was their best friend and there were thousands of people who felt that way That they thought that that's that's how good a guy he was certainly talented it's a tragedy it was a kind of a I don't want to say fluke thing when you get pneumonia and you're healthy you're not supposed to die you're supposed to get cured and uh, but it just attacked his system and couldn't get rid of the fever Um, it's funny um, there's nothing funny, but it's, it's the last text I got from him was he was really upset with the way Florida had played basketball against Butler. And, um, we texted back and forth about it and, uh, and I didn't hear from him again. And the reason was he was in intensive care and it's just, uh, I'm sorry. I'm choking up a little bit. I miss him already. I, I miss him so much. And, um, The thought of not ever being able to talk to him again is what hurts me the most. And I'm the one who loses. And everybody who knew him. And all of you. We all lose in this situation because you would have been entertained and enjoyed his company um, for years to come. That was the plan. Going to get married? Anyway. Uh, But it it didn't get any better. Obviously, uh, Carly McCord, who was a reporter in New Orleans, died in a plane crash, along with several other people on her way to the game, the uh, LSU-Oklahoma game. That is just tragic. I didn't know her, but a lot of people... Uh, what I've read about her and what people have responded—people who I know and i, I know their character—make me realize she was probably a very special person, and that was tragic. Uh, we lost David Stern, and that was certainly not not a uh, n- now. David Stern, I I had one interaction with him, and it was one of the greatest interactions I've ever had. In fact, the best one I've ever had with a commissioner of a of a uh, of a league. Um, I actually had a one-on-one interview with him. This was the very, very beginning of his career as the NBA commissioner. But what what he did with that league, he took a failing league. Don't forget, the NBA was going nowhere. Nobody cared about the NBA and made it global, started the WNBA. I think his legacy is we – there was a Twitter argument about him versus Roselle. I don't think it was even close. Uh, so that was really sad. Don, La- Don Larson, who pitched the perfect game. In the World Series, uh, passed away, and then the the story that really hit me. I read the whole piece on Bryce Gowdy, who was a Georgia Tech signee from Deerfield, and obviously down there it was a big big story. Committed suicide. Uh, his family was was homeless basically. He was distraught. He had some anxiety issues. And uh, if you get a chance, go read. I think it's in the uh, in the Palm Beach Post the story about him, it just makes you want to cry. So there's been a lot of crying uh, by a lot of people, and that's unfortunately the way our end of the year, start of the year uh, started. Makes you realize, guys and girls, and I should say ladies, makes you realize, peeps, these are just games we're dealing with, okay? They're just games. All right, number two. One of the more interesting stories of the week has been Doug Marone back in Jacksonville. A little surprised. I think a lot of people are surprised. Uh, He's going to be the head coach there. Uh, Jason Garrett, we're still waiting to hear that. And you may know by the time you listen to this what the deal is there. Most people don't think he's going to last. And are they going to go after Urban Meyer? Are they going to go after Tom Herman? Um, You know, they obviously had a great bowl win, destroyed Utah. Are they going to go after. Uh, you know the Dan Mullen thing keeps coming up, and uh, you know people keep asking me about it, and I go, "Look, I don't, I don't think that's going to happen." But I never say never with anything anymore. Okay, I, I'm I'm too jaded by all the bizarre things that have happened to ever say never about anything. So could it happen? Sure, sure. They offer from ten million dollars a year. Sure, I go. Florida fans are a little bit nervous about it, only a little bit nervous because he, it seems, look, why would Jerry Jones hire him? Dak Prescott's the only reason. There's nothing to say in, in his resume that Dan Mullen will be a great NFL coach. They're different sports, okay? Does his... Mentality, the way he coaches, the way he interacts with kids, does that work? You could say, the, make, make the same argument about Urban Meyer. You can make the same argument about Tom Herman. Will they work? And the college coaches of the NFL thing has a bad track record for the most part. You know, whether it's Coach Spurrier, who obviously has told us many times he went to the wrong team, um, whether it's Chip Kelly, um, you know, Pete Carroll did work. Some work, some don't. But, um, I, I like my wife was still she's like nervous about it I go look don't worry about it because there's nothing you can do about it but I don't I don't think it'll happen I'll never but I never say never and finally uh Florida basketball plays Saturday it's a big game it's the start of the SEC against Alabama Alabama's a, a good solid team and as we know this team can lose to just about you know anybody I mean after they were taken to the to the last minutes or seconds by uh, Towson and Marshall. and we, we This team's got a, a lot of problems, and they look great against the beach, Long Beach State. Uh, while we were down there, watched that game of start to finish. That team was terrible, but they made shots. I mean, this is a big start. You're playing at home. You need to start 1-0. Big game for Florida. Um, let's see if they can get things going in the right direction because this still can be a really good team. I mean, the talent – like like when people say, well, wow, they're so talented. Well, they're talented in a way. They're talented in that they can – they have guys, a lot of guys who can do a, one thing really well. But I'm not sure they've got – other than Keontae Johnson, I'm not sure they've got guys who are great at everything. You know what I mean? They're great – Players, you know, they got a lot of guys. Like Scotty Lewis, a great defender, great defender. Love to have you him on your team. Noah Locks a great shooter. When when he's shooting well, he sometimes he doesn't shoot well, but he's a really good shooter. You know, Andrew Nemhard's a great distributor. You put them all together. Sometimes it meshes. Sometimes it doesn't. So far, it hasn't meshed to the level they want it to. But they're okay. They're fine. They're eight and four. This is what they were last year. What they were the year before? They all got to the tournament every one of those years, but they've got to play better in the SEC. The SEC down this year. It's not as, it, but it's got good teams. That, that's the thing. The SEC hasn't got as many good wins as they need. And we just saw South Carolina lose to Stetson and Donnie Jones. The SEC is um, is not as good as it's been the last couple of years. So, you're not going to be able to go nine and nine and get in, I don't think, this year. So, I got to do better. We'll see how they do on uh, Saturday. And then we'll come back on Wednesday with another edition of the Duly Noted Podcast. Again, that's going to be Wednesdays from now on, um, once a week. And look forward to it as well. All right. I think that's all I got for right now. You know, we went over an hour and you guys probably turned me off anyway. So, the, the eight of you still listening, appreciate you for listening. Thanks so much, and thanks for all the kind words. I got a lot of really nice emails at the end of the year from people thanking me for all the stuff uh, that we do, and and especially for the podcast, and I appreciate that very much. But until Wednesday of next week, I'm Pat Dooley. I'm the sports columnist of the Gainesville Sun. I'm deep, I'm way back, and I am out of here. The Duly Noted Podcast is brought to you by Zaxby's, the home of handmade-to-order chicken, salads, and more than a dozen mild-to-wild sauces. Stop by your neighborhood Zaxby's today. And by Vistar Credit Union with locations across Gator Country. Visit Vistarcu.org and ABC Fine Wine and Spirits. Always be celebrating.